Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hello everyone and good afternoon. Welcome to Africa Family Business Research Conference. This afternoon we'll have Professor Shelley Farrington presenting on the relationship between governance and family business success in a developing country context. You're welcome, Professor. Thank you very much. I'll be sharing my screen. Just confirm that you can see the slideshow. It's coming on now. Yeah. Yes, we can. Yes. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this presentation. Um, you can see the topic is on exploring the relationship between governance and family business success. And on behalf of my colleagues, uh, Robert and Elmery, I'd like to um, welcome you. Um, as you all know, there's really a lot of literature, a lot of information in the literature that um, supports a relationship between formalized governance structures and family business success. And however, most have very few in place or some even have none, especially the smaller ones. And as such, there's a bit of an anomaly in practice because on the one hand, family businesses have few in place or informal ones, but yet they, they seem to thrive globally. And of course, in South Africa and even in developing countries. And often when they compare to non-family businesses, you see that. Now, the extent to which governance actually contributes to family business success is an ongoing debate. And it actually suggested that this relationship be investigated further. There was an actual a systematic literature review in 2018 that looked at the relationship between corporate governance and uh, performance in family businesses. And basically the end result or their findings was that there's an overemphasis on quantitative methods. And actually there's a shortage of these kind of studies on this relationship specifically in the, the developing world. And this specifically highlighted the need for more research on this relationship. So the aim of our study was to actually explore this relationship, but to look at it from a qualitative approach. Now, as most of you know, governance in family business basically refers to the what we call the authority structures, the incentive systems, the accountability norms found in these businesses. And often what they do is they articulate the vision, the mission, the objectives, the values, they manage conflict, they build trust, they facilitate relationships. And in most cases, they have very much the same type of business governance structures as in non-family businesses. But they also have family-orientated ones. And their choice depends on many factors. And even in the family businesses themselves, these structures can vary. What you often find is that there's a tendency towards informal structures where there's much reliance on one key individual, in many cases the founder, to guide or to make these decisions. But in trying to explore this relationship um, from a qualitative perspective, we um, adopted a qualitative approach and we used an exploratory multi-case study design. And for it to be included in our sample, we in the end identified two, because we were like trying to um, focus just as much detail as we could or get more in-depth and richer data from two cases. And we used the, the step criteria for selection and for us, a family businesses business one with ownership of over 50, at least in the second generation, and it had the transgenerational intention. So these are our two businesses. 
They happen to both be car dealerships or motor vehicle franchisees in the automotive industry. And the one we gave the name of TMG or the Thomas Motor Group and the other one Seeger Motors. And as you can see, they were both in the second generation, 100% family owned and sort of yeah, in the medium size. Um, they had, the one TMG had four active family members and Seeger Motors had eight. Um, if you look at the family trees, you will see also there's a little bit of differences here. TMG had one family group with the father, Ray, founding the business. The two sons, he had two other sons that are no longer in the business, but two sons that literally um, grew and developed TMG. And at present, there's one third generation, Arthur's daughter, and um, a second third generation, Clint's son, that are involved in the family business. With regards to TMG, the structure, family structure is slightly different. We've got two family groups. It was originally two brothers that started the business. And then what happened is we now have um, the two brothers on Rowan's side, Kane and Fred, in the business together with their wives. And then on the other family group, we've got Ryan and his son. And there's also family business has a third generation. So there are slight differences here with regards to the sort of family structure and the number of family businesses involved. So what we did is we did semi-structured interviews face-to-face. Um, according to our guidelines, we wanted at least five or more key informants from each family business. In the end, we ended up with 15, five from TMG and 10 from Seeger Motors. And when it comes to the people that we employed, it was a bit of a variety of family and non-family, shareholders and non-shareholders, various positions. The employment varied from two years to up to 43 years. And also there were family members in different generations. And this was just a table summarizing where you can see all the members of TMG that were involved, all the members of Seeger Motors that we interviewed, what their relation was to the family, their position in the business, their shareholding, length of employment, and the interviews that we held. So that's just to sketch a little bit of background as to how we um, collected the data. And then with regards analyzing it, we basically used deductive coding. We had we were guided by the literature because there's a lot of literature available on speci- specifically governance structures. So we kind of knew what we were looking for. And then, of course, with regards to success, we measured success from a financial and a non-financial perspective. Obviously, um, non-financial, we focus a little bit on the relationships. We try to, to, to assess what was the extent of the harmony that existed among the families. And once we'd um, coded the data, we made use of thematic analysis to try and identify some main themes. Uh, the quality of the, the, the data and the collection process, well, to ensure consistency and reliability, we had more than one of us. There were three of us involved who separately analyzed and coded the data. And then, of course, we got together to make sure that we were all on the same page and on the right track. And then we adopted several strategies to ensure the trustworthiness of the data. Now, when it came to the business governance structures, as you can see, these are all the structures that we found evident in TMG in comparison to Seeger Motors, Board of Directors, shareholders. And as you can see, start seeing where the discrepancies are between them. Um, for example, yeah, Seeger Motors, no dividend policy, no management meetings were held. and They have no other committees, which I'm going to just give you a little bit more information on here. So if we look at the two businesses in terms of um, boards of directors, they both at least have them. In TMG, they've got five officials, but in Sega Motors, they only have three. In TMG, they have two non-family who are also official members. In the case of Sega Motors, they also have two non-family, but they're not officially appointed. They're more in an advisory capacity. 
And what's interesting is both in both businesses, the founders are very dominant. Interesting comment here from Arthur. I'm the leader. I need to lead. However, I never, ever make dictatorial decisions. But yet you see from his daughter, I think it's a bit of a challenge because leadership, he has been so dominant, which in our minds represented or indicated that he was quite dictatorial in his decisions. The same with Ryan, the other CEO from Seager Motors quite forceful, maybe too much. And them as advisors, this was one of the advisors, no voting power. With regards to the shareholders agreement, they both had. TMG has a more formal entry policy for employees. And um, they also had a dividend policy, where when it came to seeker mergers, no entry policy. And the dividend policy was very informal and almost ad hoc. With regards to other kinds of structures in place, TMG had several platforms, um, several forums that contributed to professional management. We've got regular meetings, although Sega Motors also has regular meetings. In contrast, ethics and social responsibility committee, committees, they specifically have structures that deal with these issues, where in Sega Motors there was nothing else, no formal committees or forums and so forth. With, the, with regards to the um, franchise, as I mentioned, both of them are motor car dealerships and they actually sell very well-known motor vehicle brands. And it's... Um, quite something in terms of the the um, this regulatory requirements and the strict governance that they are, have to adhere to that are dictated to by the franchise. You know, they're subject to all kinds of annual audits to ensure that standards are maintained. And any big decision has to have the approval of the, the franchise. Or and for any of you that are familiar with the franchise model will know that if the franchise or decides to make some changes to signage or to specialized tools or to decorating the shop, it can come at a huge expense to you. For example, I think Ryan mentioned yeah, that to replace some signage in the dealership, which costs came close to a million rand just to change the sign, signage because their particular brand of motor vehicle wanted to update and change their branding. Now, with regards to family governance, we found in both of the businesses, there was basically no family governance structures in place. What was however quite interesting is that in the case of TMG, we found that the, the third generation were actually pushing quite hard to get these structures, Bishop Family Council, annual meetings. They were, they were really pushing hard and there was progress being made. In the case of, and the other thing was, no, in the case of Sega Motors, there was no family governance structures or so at the time of our interviews, the, the one of the third generation actually came and showed us like a handwritten note of um, so-called like value statements that they were going to now put up. I think it was almost the, um, the one of the first steps to, towards any kind of visual evidence of some kind of structures. Um, we found also that, that in the case of TMG, there was a shareholders have individual trust. But apart from that, there was no other kind of organized structure within either of the family groups. With regards to the financial position, we found them both to be in a quite a good, quite a sound financial position. And in the case of TMG, this was attributed to the, the, the reinvestment strategy that they had very cautious and continuous reinvesting of profits in the business. And they're also using their assets to the full potential, where we found that in the case of TMG, they actually had three dealerships. So a lot of their expenses were, were as a result of having to repeat everything three times over. All right, They also had very moderate financial return expectations from the shareholders. In the case of um, TMG, although they've got a substantial financial capital that actually never reached their 3% norm of profit on sale, which is expected within this industry. And there are several weaknesses in evident. For example, they've, they've got cash flow problems. They've got very high levels of stock on their floors and because of the value of the motor vehicles. And because they've got three branches, 
there were three expenses associated with everything, three rental buildings, three receptionists, and so forth. In terms of family business success, like I said, also in, in addition to finance, we looked at family relationships. So we did a word cloud to try and identify what are some of the key words that came up to describe the relationships. And it's words like respect, trust, relationships, good, we close. Then, of course, there were also some, quite a few negative ones, like steamy, tensions, challenge. In the case of um, Seeger Motors also, talk, good, stick together, discuss, family, trust. Negative was also, once again, communication, friction, arguments. So as a whole, in both businesses, you know, we actually experienced that. In general, the relationships are quite amicable. They, 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 are, they are volatile at times and conflict does occur, but it's not that they don't get on. Um, in TMG, we did experience that there's a bit more professional relationships based on trust and respect. But at Seeger Motors, there was definitely trust and respect and there was a sense of sticking together no matter what. But like I said, lack of communication and conflict definitely came out a bit more amongst them. As one of the, the, as the third generation member in Seeger Motors indicate, we've got three dealerships. It's not only good geographically, but it's good for the family, for family relationship. But if we look at these relationships a bit further, when it comes to TMG, the relationship between the current CEOs, that, um, uh, the first generation, open, honest, they don't socialize, they do respect each other and have a good understanding of how they work together. The same in Sega Motors, good understanding, they also don't socialize. There is quite a bit of evidence of poor communication. When it came to the relationships between the second and the third, they're professional, they treat it like non-family employees. When it came to the relationship between the second and the third in Seeger Motors, we found there was a little bit of boundary, overstepping of boundaries this is between the CEO and his son, whose the son is given a lot more freedom and autonomy than, for example, another, other non-family employees. With regards to the third generation, we found them, in the case of TMG, much more focused, functional, professional, where in the case of the third generation Seeger Motors, they hardly interact. They're respectful, but they're not close at all. And with regards to the rest of the family, they seems to be a little bit distant from each other, lack of communication. But in the case here of Seeger Motors, it's not good. They don't want to talk to each other. And there's definitely evidence of a deterioration of relationships between the two family groups. So if we looked at the business governance, we definitely found that TMG was a little bit more formal and at a more advanced stage than Tiga Motors. There were some steps to enhance their governance and evidence of the family structures being starting to be put in place. And as you can see, there was differences with the boards, specifically Sega Motors not having anybody formally appointed. What's also interesting, in both businesses, the board decisions are dominated by CEOs. And in the case of TMG, more formal policies with regards formal entry, ethics and social, and so forth. With regards family structures, as I said, neither of them have any at this point. And of course, that's not uncommon amongst family businesses. With regards to financial performance, our results show they're both sound. But Seeger Motors, probably less secure if we had to choose one. And family relationships, if you look over here, the professional, the third generation is close. There's no spouses. In the case of Seeger Motors, yes, they get on. There is conflict. The third generation is not close. There's working spouses and there's definitely a deterioration of relationships between the two groups. And this kind of come, brought us to the conclusion that the financial position and the relationships in general within TMG are far more conducive to the long-term survival than so for Sega Motors. So if we looked at our relationship that we were trying to explore, 
Well, on the one hand, we found governance, TMG, more comprehensive, more advanced. They're in a better financial position and their relationships appear more professional and stable going forward. This, of course, suggesting that there's support for this relationship that we're investigating and that governance is does contribute towards long-term success. Now, when you do qualitative studies, you know, um, it's important not to, we also need to try and answer like the why questions. So why is this the case? What could be contributing towards this relationship? A little bit more detail. So we looked at it a little bit further and we said, okay, well, governance structures, TMG is slightly more at advanced stage. What could be the reason for that? Well, one of the things that stood out was the level of education, you know, especially the third generation of TMG, definitely older than the case of Sega Motors. Both of them had university qualifications. Both of them had quite a vast amount of industry experience abroad and in big industries. And of course, they had informally appointed outsider on the board. And as in the case of performance, TMG is also in a, in a sound financial position. And we can almost argue in a better position than Sega Motors. Or one of the first things that stood out, they've got an experienced, qualified financial planner who's got the necessary skills where in the case of Sega Motors, there was no person in this position and they were still seeking to try to find, find somebody. With regards to relationships, well, in TMG, appeared much more professional and more stable going forward. And the reason why we thought we looked around, well, there's definitely less family members involved. There are no spouses and there's only one family group, suggesting, of course, that the more complex the family relationships, the greater the need for governance structures. So with that, our paper basically revolved around some recommendations for these two family businesses. But in essence, they're applicable to any family business. There's no doubt that business governance structures should be formalized and implemented. It's also important that the shareholders agreement given attention and kept updated. You know, you don't want to be worrying about these things when you really need them. You want clarity for when they need it. Family entry policies must be clear um, entry and exit rules, as well as a promotions policy. You want to ensure fair procedures and that people have the appropriate qualification. Even a dividend um, policy, you need to have some kind of formal procedure for distribution. You know, not a case, I recall in our family business, it was a matter of do we have money or don't we have money? Oh, no, we've got some money, let's share it out. Oh, you don't want these gray areas. It ultimately just leads to confusion and conflict. And all of the above will ensure or contribute to making decisions that are in the interest of the business. Now, with regards to family governance structures, we know there's numerous structures that can be put in place, but there's no doubt that they lead to a better understanding, better relationships, less conflict, better teamwork, and a general sense of family and togetherness. Because it's about those gray areas. You far better for everybody if you are clear up front how things will work and where everybody stands. In conclusion, we basically found support for our claim or our relationship between governance and success. And this includes both family and business governance structures. You know, and although the recommendations we've, we've given are directed to, to the businesses that served as our cases, they are actually applicable over value to any family business, including those in African countries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Professor Shelley. Um, that was really insightful. Um, Elmarie, do you have any comments or um, additions? Yeah, no. Um, thank you very much, Shelley. As always, very calm, collected presentation. Um, I think this is a very um, sensitive but a very important topic, and perhaps we can pursue that in the panel discussion some more. 
But the whole issue of um, Tony found that, Welcome found that, we found that, that it's the governance in many family businesses are very informal. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I, I would like to hear later on from the panel members um, and perhaps Nika, you and Titi can also add, you know, at what stage do you actually go into more formal governance and how do you actually, what steps can you take to do that? Because, mm. um, you know, it's like succession planning. We all know we must do it and we must formalize governance, but yeah, the, the minority is doing that. And I see that in also in the PwC and the KPMG reports. Mm. That uh, governance are still very much informal. Um, yeah, perhaps business governance are more formal, but family governments are either non-existing or very, very informal. Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point that you bring up. And I have a similar observation. Um, and I guess it's why is there a reticence on the part of families to engage in more formal governance? Or is it a lack of awareness? Um, is it lack of time? Um, and what have you be good I, to unpack? I do think it is a lot to do with a lack of awareness. Because if I recall, Elmery, after we interviewed TMG, there was a lot more movement. Uh, you know, it was almost like our, our interviews kind of spurred things on a bit, and there was a lot more movement in terms of implementing um, some governance structures after mm. our interaction with them. And, of course, with our interaction, obviously a bit of awareness was created, and they began to ask some questions about things. Yeah, now it would be interesting to hear because Erica um, is from KPMG and Andrea is from PwC. So perhaps they can also share their insights during the panel discussion on, uh, you know, how do you actually go from informal to formal? Yes, we have a comment from Alan. Thanks, Shelley. Would you agree that regardless of size, the governance structures are required to ensure that the boundaries are clear? i.e. you need to know which hats you're wearing, as well as ensuring that there's effective communication and decision-making. Absolutely. As I said in the presentation, it's the gray areas that lead to the conflict. And it's with anything, if even like a, your marriage relationship. If you know exactly where you stand, life is much better for everybody. So yes, these structures need to be put in place and they definitely will lead to a smooth, smoother ride going forward. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, um, Professor Farrington. Everyone, you're welcome to join us in shortly, very shortly, in five minutes, our next presentation on philanthropy in South Africa, um, which will be a very interesting segment. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.